0: the fact that the Bible predicts the Jewish people will return is amazing and we are seeing that in our day. Jeremiah 16, 15 reminds us that much of it would happen via persecution. Why are the Jews leaving Western Europe in droves? Because of the growing anti-Semitic movement there and God putting a call into many of their hearts.
1: Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogi, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. Today is part two of Pastor Carl's sermon entitled, The Coming Antichrist. Daniel 9.27 says, And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. This verse is highlighting the one who is to come that is going to try and mimic the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, Pastor Carl will be explaining the covenant that is made. Let's join Pastor Carl now as he continues.
0: So verse 24 begins by giving us the scope. We're told of these six distinct events with these six Hebrew infinitives. Gabriel recognizes that Daniel's not one who's interested in summaries and sketches. He wants to know details. And God is going to give him details, and I'm grateful that he did. And so in verse 25, he underscores what happens in the first 483 years. Then there's this gap of time in verse 26, and then he will unfold what will happen in the last seven years. So beginning at verse 25, God gives us the starting point of the plan. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat even in times of distress. Now, don't get lost in this forest of theology. Remember, this section is not the milk of the word. This is a very meaty passage. And don't worry if you don't get it all the first time. Look, I'm still pouring over it in my own heart year after year, trying to understand it more fully. I haven't arrived by any stretch. But get what you can get and let God speak to your heart. The first seven sevens, Remember, 70 weeks, not of days, but of years, or 49 years. Then he speaks to the second part with 62 years, or 62 sevens, or 62 times seven is 483 years. And then the last is one seven, or seven Hebrew years. So God tells us there'll be seven weeks in 62 weeks for a total of 69 weeks from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. And since the context indicates that he's not speaking weeks of days, but weeks of years, we want to think through, well, how did this happen? Well, there was a guy by the name of Artaxerxes. And he issued a decree to rebuild the temple in the city. And history records that it took 49 years. So not only does the Bible prophesy it, history records that's precisely how long it took. And we'll see before we're done, the critics hate the book of Daniel. They say no one could have known this in advance. Well, if you start with certain liberal presuppositions that God can't foretell the future revealed to man, then you have to come up with secular reasoning. And so he gave a command. In fact, that's a firm date. Um, I used to have a copy of the Encyclopedia Britannica. I guess nobody has encyclopedias anymore. But you could go to the Encyclopedia Britannica and it would date it as March the 14th, 445 B.C. Or in the Jewish calendar, Nisan 1, 445 B.C. Now a Jewish year, a Jewish prophetic year, is 360 days, they do not use a solar calendar, they use a solar slash lunar calendar, which is actually far more precise than the way we did it. If you remember centuries ago, it seemed like, hmm, it's kinda cold for this time of year. I think it's supposed to be a summer. And people realized that they were like off in the calendar and so they restructured it. Well, the Jews weren't off because God had given a divine calendar and I have a whole message on that, it's a sermon in itself. So, if you take 483 years and multiply by 360, you come up with 173,880 days. And I have a whole message on this if this is something you're interested in. And where does it bring you to? It brings you to April of 6, 32 AD, the day Jesus comes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Now, notice what is to happen after Palm Sunday in verse 26. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. After the 62 weeks, that's like saying after the 69th week, the Messiah will be karat, cut off. It's a Hebrew term for execution. He is going to be executed and have nothing. He will not have the kingdom. And that's Matthew chapter 13. Remember in Matthew chapter 12... The Jews commit a heinous sin. They attribute the miracles to Jesus as coming from the devil. And Jesus says they commit blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So Matthew 13 tells the kingdom parables. In light of the fact that the leaders and for the most part the people, he came to his own, his own received him not, rejected him, what about the coming kingdom? So in Matthew 13, in the kingdom parables, he describes this interim time called the church age, and God will pick up later this coming kingdom. So right here in the Old Testament, we have the prophecy that the Messiah is going to be killed, he's going to be executed, and then this kingdom is going to be postponed. And so this prophecy points to the crucifixion. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he had wept on Sunday, Brokenhearted over the people. He said, This was your day. This very day. The 173,880th day of Daniel's prophecy. And you missed it. And five days later, he's crucified. So, you know, after Palm Sunday, the people are shouting, hail him, hail him, hail him. And a few days later, they're shouting, nail him, nail him. Because he was not the kind of Messiah they wanted. Again, verse 26, that after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who's to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So after the seven weeks and then after the 62 weeks, two events are going to happen. The people of the prince who is to come is going to destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now we're told here in verse 26, after Messiah dies, the city is going to be destroyed. And 38 years later, God does precisely that. The Roman general Titus, who later becomes an emperor, totally decimates the city. Do you remember what Jesus had said in Luke 19? We studied it a few weeks back. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will put up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground and throw down your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. He's reading right off of the prophet Daniel. The city is going to be destroyed. Why did God wait 38 years? Well, I think for a couple of reasons. One, it was the patience of God, giving every Jew possible the opportunity to respond. And two, it was an affirmation remember here are the disciples the first verse of the new you know jesus never read the new testament <laughs> uh, he, he preached everything from the old testament right and so they're speaking Hey, the messiah this is what daniel said and he also said there's one coming who's after he's crucified who's going to destroy this place remember to be a prophet of god and jesus served in three offices prophet priest and king You had to tell a short-term prophecy, and you had to tell a long-term prophecy. The only reason you could tell that a person's long-term prophecy was valid is their short-term prophecy came true. So 38 years later, people are saying, you know, he has got to be the Messiah. And more Jews were converted at the destruction of Jerusalem, as history again records. And so, again, here's an overview of the 70 weeks in terms of where we're coming. And let me just say parenthetically, if you're Jewish and you're listening to me somewhere in the world, and we have some people on occasion who live stream from Israel. If you're looking for a good candidate for the Messiah, his name is Yeshua. He came precisely when He was supposed to come. He was cut off. He was crucified. And the city was destroyed. So here's an overview. Daniel 9.24. You have the entire 70 weeks prophecy. All 490 years. Daniel 9.25. He deals with the first 483 years. Or 69 weeks. Daniel 9.26. That's the gap. Christ is building his church. And then 9.27. The 70th week. Which will last for seven years. Now. In this verse of Scripture, God is prophesying the destruction of Israel after the 69th week. No wonder Jesus wept. It was one of the most horrendous events that took place in history. Women, children, slaughtered, people tried to escape. The Romans crucified over 100,000 Jewish people. There were so many people crucified, Josephus records they ran out of trees in which to crucify them. He's saying this holy place is gonna be destroyed and then it's gonna be characterized by war and by desolation, even to the end. And if you know anything about human history, the single most contested piece of real estate on the earth is the 35 acres we call the Temple Mount. And so, right after Palm Sunday, the last day of the 69th week, when the leadership officially rejected him, there was a timeout. God didn't abandon Israel. There was a timeout for Israel. The clock stopped ticking. And again, if you know Bible prophecy, you know that many times in a single verse of Scripture, God gives the scope of both comings of the Messiah. Most of us know, you know, a baby will be born. His name will be called Mighty God and so forth. And the governments will rest on his shoulders. One pray-tell did that that happen? Hadn't happened yet. That's his second coming. When Jesus went into the synagogue in Nazareth and he quotes Isaiah 61, he quotes half a verse. Because the second half of the verse deals with his second coming. And so there's very often, even in the visions that Daniel has been given, gaps between different prophetic events. And this is no exception. So if you've just read the history of the Temple Mount for the last 2,000 years, you know that what Daniel said would indeed happen, and it did happen. Now again, God scattered the Jews to all the nations of the world. And Jesus cannot come back, he said, until, remember we studied this, let me read it to you again, Matthew 23, 39, right before the Olivet Discourse. It's the lead-in to that. For I say to you, because of their rejection, from now on you will not see me until, until implies that there's a change that is going to come. You will not see me until you say, Baruch, Hababa Hashem, Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He came in the name of Yahweh, and until the Jewish people recognize that he is the Messiah, the second coming can't happen. So these uh, supersessionists, theologians, we call them replacement theologians that the church has superseded Israel. It comes out of Augustine into Roman Catholicism and out of some of the Protestant reformers who were influenced a lot by Roman Catholic theology. They got the gospel right, but they were wrong in a lot of areas. And these people say, well, there's no future for Israel. May I remind you the clear words of Jesus, he cannot, he cannot come back until the Jewish people say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So he not only warns of this future destruction, he warns of this future time of blessing. And one of the functions is we're going to study in this series of the Great Tribulation is to bring the Jewish people to faith in the Lord Jesus. That's the function of the 70th week. So today we're going to examine the abomination of desolation. What is it? We'll look at the specifics as how it's committed next time. And then we'll look at the coming implications and the weeks that will follow. In all of these three messages, we need to ask, what difference does this make to me? It's in the word of God, all Scripture is profitable. It's here for a reason. Now that's all my way of introduction, all right? Say, when's he gonna get started? All right, three simple truths. First, the ruler, the ruler that is revealed. Verse 27 describes the coming Antichrist, and there are three truths about this coming Antichrist that he unfolds. First, the ruler that is revealed. Let's uh, read verse 27 in its entirety, and then we'll step back through it. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, or you could say in the middle of the seven Remember, whenever you see the word week, it's seven as notated there in your NASB. He will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So during this final week, during this final weeks of years or seven years, there's a period of time in which he will make a firm covenant with the many. So contextually, we want to ask, who is the he? Well, while we don't know his specific name, we know his role in his office. And so the nearest antecedent to the pronoun he, if you look back in verse 26, you could circle the word he, if you want, and draw an arrow to the prince who is to come. It's in reference to the prince who is to come. Let me read the first half of verse Uh, 26 again. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So after seven weeks and after 62 weeks, two events are specifically told that will happen. First, he will be executed. He'll be crucified. And then the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So Daniel recorded that the city that contains the sanctuary, namely the city of Jerusalem, would be destroyed who? By the people of the prince who is to come. Now, 2020 is always hindsight. Daniel didn't know that they would be named Romans, but he predicts their empire with great specificity that would only fit the Roman empire. And he also looks further down the corridors of time to a revived Roman empire and the ten toes of his statue But we know specifically who these people were. 38 years later, the Roman general Titus came in, and he destroyed, indeed, the sanctuary. So the Antichrist is the he here in verse 27. For again, Daniel is looking down the corridors of time. And the Bible is clear, both by the prophet Daniel, by the words of Jesus, and by the revelation that this prince who is to come will come from a revived Roman Empire of 10 nations or 10 kings or 10 horns. Unless you think that this is some contrived interpretation, (laughs) we'll see before we're done this morning that this is what Jesus taught. All right, so first there's the ruler who is revealed. He is the prince who is to come And the prince who is to come comes from this people who destroy, indeed, the sanctuary in the city. Second, there is a covenant that is made. Beyond the prince who is revealed, there is a covenant that is made. Again, we read here at the start of verse 27. And he, the prince who is to come, will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. This verse is highlighting this coming prince who is to come, who's gonna try to mimic the prince of peace, the Lord Jesus. During the final seven years, he's going to make a firm covenant with the many. Now, if you've read the book of Daniel, especially Daniel chapters 11 and 12, the many, the articular use of it, the many repeatedly refers to the Jewish people. the nation of israel now a few english translations leave out the article it just says many but in the hebrew text like here in the nasb it says the many because he's referring specifically to a covenant with the jewish people now don't forget god predicted in the previous verse messiah would be cut off or executed that happened in 32 AD, he also predicted in verse 26 that the people of the prince who is to come will destroy both the city and the sanctuary. So after Christ was cut off 38 years later, the Roman legions came in and destroyed the place. And just as Jesus had prophesied, not one stone would be left upon another. And indeed, he came in with a flood. We'll see the usage of that term. It's used in Isaiah of a strong, mighty, powerful army. And it was brutal what they did in 70 AD. And there was a Jewish rabbi by the name of Bar Kokba. You speak of the Bar Kokhba revival. And in 132 to 135, <clears throat> he claims to be the Messiah. And he gathers tens of thousands of Jews to go back and fight against the Romans. And the Romans crushed those Jewish people the Emperor Hadrian wipes out 500,000 Jewish people. He renames the place after their enemy. It's no longer called Israel. Their enemy, the Philistines, he, he renamed it or Palestine. By the way, the word Palestine never appears in the Bible, either the Old or the New Testament, to describe this land mass. But the Brits and centuries before that carried this name, Palestine, to describe this geographical area. Now let me say parenthetically that this group of people that Yasser Arafat invented called the Palestinians is indeed an invented people. There was no such thing. In fact, you don't have to dip back very far into history to realize that both Jews and Arabs who lived in the land of Israel were called Palestinians. But there's no such people known as Palestinians, but because they want to deny the right of Israel to own the property that God gave them, they created this dichotomy in the thinking. But one of the most dramatic things that God is doing is he is regathering the Jewish people back to fulfill the final episodes that will lead to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so when Bar Kokhba led this revolt, they were crushed. In fact, they even renamed the city of Jerusalem. He hated the Jewish people, Hadrian. Despised them we will rename the land, we will rename the capital, and every Jew needs to leave, with a few exceptions. Now here's a slide that will help you to see what God has been doing in the last 100 years or so. In 1880, the Zionist movement began. What was that? That was a movement of Orthodox Jews who said, God said he gave us the land of Israel, we need to go back to Israel. So when demographics were first kept in 1880, about the formation of the movement, there were 25,000 Jews living in Israel. At the time, there were 7.8 million Jews living on the planet. Then uh, Hitler, if you remember, annihilated 6 million of the then 15 million Jews that were living on the planet. And we had boatloads of Jews come to America. And our own president said, you're not welcomed. Some of you have been to Yad Vashem or even the Washington Holocaust Museum. You've seen the letters. You're not welcomed. They went back and they were annihilated in the gas chambers. Wherever they went, they weren't welcomed. They said, let's go back to our land. So God often uses the wrath of man to praise him So on the day they became a nation, a day that was prophesied in Isaiah 66, there were 600,000 Jews living in Israel, 100 million people around them who hated them. And the next day they were under attack, but God supernaturally preserved them. God keeps gathering the Jewish people, and now we've just recently crested the 7 million mark of Jews living in the land, but the fact that the Bible predicts the Jewish people will return is amazing, and we are seeing that in our day. Jeremiah 16:15 reminds us that much of it would happen via persecution. Why are the Jews li- leaving Western Europe in droves? Because of the growing anti-Semitic movement there and God putting a call into many of their hearts. Jeremiah said, I will restore them to the land I gave their forefathers. And then in the next verse, he said, behold, I am going to send for many fishermen, declares Yahweh, and they will fish for them. And afterward, I will send for many hunters and they will hunt them from every mountain, from every hill and from the clefts of the rock. So this metaphor for persecution is expressed here by fishermen and hunters. And God has certainly used the persecution on the Jewish people in the last hundred years, whether it was the Polish economic discrimination or the Czarist pogroms or the Nazi genocide or the Arab hatred in other countries, and even most recently, the invasion of Russia. The Ukrainian Jews are some of the richest people in all the Ukraine. I think I've made some 40 trips now to the Ukraine. They're the best off. In fact, they are the best leaders. (laughs) When you get a Jew who runs for politics, that's what the Ukrainians want, why? Because they won't rip the people off. They're leaving in droves. The Bible college this church built has been housing them for months. They come through, they spend the night, they go to a border, they cross over, they get on a plane, they go to Israel. And so God has used like fishermen and hunters, even complacent people who are so wealthy, why do we ever wanna leave? He uses persecution and he brings them back into the land. Now I know that there are brothers in Christ like R.C. Sproul and John Piper, God bless them, I love them in the Lord. But those two men, along with Vodibacham and scores of others, have taught that God has no future for Israel. That the church has replaced Israel, that we are the new Israel. Nothing could be further from the truth. The reemergence of Israel back into the land was predicted by God. Again, Jesus said he cannot come back until Physical, literal, Israel says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Listen to these words from Isaiah 43. Before Jesus returns, the prophet said, do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Not from Babylon, the ends of the earth.
1: Please join us tomorrow for part three in the conclusion of Pastor Carl's sermon entitled, The Coming Antichrist. If you enjoyed today's message, remember that you can order a CD or DVD copy by calling Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478 and requesting program God's Prophetic Schedule 012. If you missed any of Pastor Carl's previous sermons in this series, Download the Search the Scriptures app found on the iTunes and Google Play Store. Or you can listen to our current series online at searchthescriptures.org. Don't forget that tomorrow we are live in the studio with Pastor Carl during his live call-in program, The Bible Line. You can listen to The Bible Line online at wagp.net. We hope that you will join us tomorrow as we continue to search the scriptures.